Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kid Stories Podcast. I'm Phil Bechtel. Today's episode is sponsored by Scholastic, maker of amazing kids' books, including the Nat Enough series by Maria Scrivan. The fourth installment of Nat Enough, titled Nat for Nothing, is out now and I know you'll love it. Readers follow Natalie through her daily life as she experiences self-doubt and thoughts of just not being enough in middle school. And we see how Natalie's friends and her sense of humor help to keep her on track. In Not For Nothing, they introduce all these after-school clubs at Natalie's school, and she finds it difficult to deal with her friends being in clubs that she doesn't want to be in, while also trying to figure out what her thing is going to be. The author, Maria Scrivan, draws on events from her own life in middle school to craft some authentic and relatable storylines. My kids both read the book and they loved it. I read it as well and I loved it. It reminded me of other graphic novels like uh, Babysitter's Club and Smile with the readability and humor of uh, Big Nate. Nat for Nothing is an essential addition to your kids' library and will be a book they read over and over again. Click the link in the show notes to get your copy of Nat for Nothing today. Now on to some shout-outs. Happy birthday, Emma Dowling. For your birthday, I hope you get lightning finger powers and a wand that turns sticks into popsicles and magical shoes that make you the best dancer in the world and a pet chicken who talks like this and a big bucket of goofballs. Emma, if you were a character on the podcast, you'd be a silly witch with wonky magic whose spells never quite go as planned. Thanks for listening, Emma. And Ari, Abel, and Elijah are fans of the podcast with big ideas. I think if you three were characters in the show, you'd be the protectors of the golden orb, and you would work to protect the magical golden orb from falling into the wrong hands. Thanks for listening, Ari, Abel, and Elijah. Today's episode is titled Evil Robots Attack Part 2. Jackson, Reed, and Harvey pedaled hard away from the forest and back to town. The brothers were excited about their new powers, but a bit scared at the thought of this oncoming robot army. Everything was happening so fast, and they figured if they were able to repel this initial attack, then they'd have a minute to rest and think things through. Look, some people are leaving town, Reed pointed as they rode their bikes. Jackson and Harvey looked to the highway, where a line of vehicle headlights stretched for miles. People from towns all over, including their own, had packed up and were leaving to escape the robot attack. As the brothers neared town, they noticed that some residents had stayed and were preparing to defend themselves against the robots. People were stationed all over, waiting to ambush the bots as they entered town. Jackson, Reed, and Harvey entered the town hall where some residents were hiding out. What's going on? Jackson asked. Are the robots close? See for yourself, said the mayor, and motioned to a nearby window. The brothers looked outside and saw hundreds of little red lights bobbing up and down. Each robot had a small red light on its antenna, sticking up out of its robot head. The brothers saw rows and rows of marching bots heading straight for town. You boys should go back out to the forest and wait for this to blow over, said the mayor. They'll be here any minute and it won't be safe. It's not going to be safe for those robots pretty soon, said Harvey. The mayor and the other residents in the town hall perked up. What do you mean? the mayor asked. The old man was right. We found the magic pool, said Jackson. 
We're going to meet the robots head on. Back us up. Before the mayor could protest, Jackson, Reed, and Harvey rushed out the front door of the town hall. They ran out to the sea of robots marching toward the town. The bots were in tight formations, in perfect lines, marching in time with each other. They were made of black and red plastic, mostly, with wires twisting across their robot arms and bodies. The robots all featured one arm that had no hand. It was just a blaster. And the other arm had four long, sharp metal fingers that hung down like razor claws. The bots were only as tall as a typical adult human and featured a tiny antenna on their heads with a little red light on top. The boys expected the robots to start fighting them right away. Instead, their robot speakers activated, and a metallic voice rang out. Submit, and you will not be harmed. Submit, and you will not be harmed. Their robot feet made a loud chunking sound as they all continued their march to town. The brothers each looked at each other and nodded. Reed transformed into the monster and Harvey stayed on his bike, the top half of him transforming into a huge shark. All right, let's go, yelled Reed. His big, hairy, clawed monster hands reached out to the nearest marching robot and ripped off its cannon arm. Sparks shot out of the robot's shoulder and Reed tossed the blaster arm to Jackson. The robots all stopped marching. Alarms shrieked from their speakers. They turned to Reed and chanted, Threat detected! Threat detected! Reed then grabbed the two nearest robots and smashed them together. Broken plastic bits and metal and sparks exploded and all the robots lifted their cannon arms. Just before they blasted a hail of red lasers, Jackson activated his time-slowing ability. Everything around him slowed to a snail's pace, and he showered the bots in a wave of red beams that flashed from the robot arm cannon he was holding. Harvey pedaled hard and circled the perimeter of the robot army. As he passed the bots, he leaned out and chomped them. His shark teeth easily cut through the wires and metal, and he whipped his shark head and tossed the crumpled robot parts high in the air. The residents watched as bot pieces popped up in the air as Harvey rode along in battle. Soon, Jackson's time powers faded, and the battle was back in real time. Jackson discovered that he couldn't activate his powers infinitely. They needed a bit to recharge. And while the battle resumed its crushing speed, Jackson activated the robot arm blaster and unleashed a flurry of lasers into the crowded robot army. Harvey continued riding his bike around the edge of the robot troops, chomping ruthlessly and tearing into the bots as he raced by. Reed shredded through the ranks of bots like the monster he was, and soon the area in front of town was littered with robot parts, sparking and twitching and beeping. Reed slumped to the ground and returned to his human form, as did Harvey. They learned the hard way that using their powers exhausted them, and their bodies felt as though they had just run ten miles without stopping. Their muscles ached, and they were out of breath. They could barely do anything but lay on the ground. The residents swooped in and began examining and dismantling the robots. They sorted the pieces into piles as Jackson, Reed, and Harvey limped back to the town hall. They all three slumped down on the floor and the town hall filled with busy residents, bringing in robot parts to be examined and repurposed for their own use.
Oh my gosh, you guys, who knew being a shark was so tiring, said Harvey as he laid on his back with his eyes closed. Jackson and Reed felt the same way. Okay, so now we know using our powers is very draining, said Jackson. That was incredible, said the mayor. But there is some bad news, said someone nearby. From their place resting on the floor, the boys turned their heads and saw someone had already plugged a robot head into a computer and was hacking at the information within. I'm scanning the history of the hardware in this bot, and it apparently sent off some kind of distress signal before it was destroyed, the man said. For all we know, all the robots sent off a similar signal, and their home base knows about this failed attack. What does this have to do with my nap? asked Reed sarcastically. It means we need to go, said the old man standing nearby. Whoever is controlling the robots now knows where we are, and that we're capable of destroying an entire squad of bots. The brothers dragged themselves up to standing and gathered their bags and some other provisions. Yeah, but where do we go from here? asked Jackson. The man at the computer piped up. I was able to triangulate the origin of these bots, or at least where they were when they were initially activated. It looks like, uh, like Pittsburgh, maybe? I don't know exactly. It'll be a while until I'm able to triangulate the location data, but it's somewhere in that area. All right, then, said the old man. We're going to get packed up. Let us know when you've figured the exact location, and we'll move out then. The End Thanks for listening, friends. The website is kidstoriespodcast.com. Send all your drawings and such to kidstoriespodcast at gmail.com and be sure to subscribe to the Kid Stories Podcast YouTube channel. Adios!